this afternoon. And again, I want to say thank you, Pastor Esteban and Sheila, for allowing us to be a part of what's going on here. You know, I, I always feel it's a privilege to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason why is because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up church, Bible, none of that. I, in fact, the, I had no reference point when someone shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me when I was a, a youth, a teenager. And so I'm honored today that, that God would have me here. And I've shared this story before. Pastor Esteban has heard it. Um, for some of you that may not be familiar, I, I was born and raised in the Bay Area. I'm a true blue native Bay Area. I was born in Oakland in 1965 for a home for unwed mothers. My mother became pregnant with me when she was 17. My mother is Hispanic. My father that raised me is African-American. And there's a whole other story in that which I won't get into today. My father had spent, most, uh, spent a number of years in San Quentin prison when he met my mother, and she became his prostitute. So I never met my true biological father to this day. He doesn't even know I exist because I was a result of my mother's prostitution. When my mother had an interracial relationship in the 60s, that wasn't a cool thing to have, to have black and Mexican mixing together. So my grandmother disowned her. In fact, my mother tells me that they wanted her to have an abortion and get rid of me, but I'm so grateful that she didn't. In fact, what happened was they locked her up in juvenile hall because at that age she was a minor and I was going to become a ward of the state. But by God's grace and mercy, I was born two weeks late and my mother turned 18 and she was able to keep me. And I, and I always tell people that's why I'm late for everything now. <laughs> it all started in the womb. <laughs> But living that life as a young boy, being mixed biracial, multiracial, uh, we moved from East Oakland to the projects in San Francisco on Army Street, and it was a rough life. It was rough because I didn't quite fit in anywhere. I didn't quite fit into my community because I wasn't all Hispanic. Plus, I, I look Chino, and I don't have kinky hair. So, and then I got a French name, Dubayan. Then I had long hair. People were just confused. What is this kid? And so there was a lot of heartache. I experienced a lot of things that maybe I'm sure many of you have experienced. I've experienced my father being beaten by the police, watching them raid our house, watching my mother knocked unconscious, watching uh, violence in our neighborhood, in our home. I remember at six years old, my mother was mad at my father, and she got his gun, and she shot a woman. I was right there next to her when she shot her. Arrested my mother, thank God for his mercy that the woman lived, and so my mother was able to be released from prison. And there's a lot of things I've experienced, and so, so, so I have a heart for young men that experience those hardships. And, and the, the, the ministry that I immediately was driven to when I was first involved as a Christian was prison ministry because I knew the heart of young people. I know what that's like to not be certain about life. And so when we're reaching the community, you're reaching the young men like Derek. You're reaching the, the men like Armando. You're reaching the Tonys and, and, and the, the Michaels and, and the Marys. You're reaching those individuals, and you don't know the heartache that those people go through, but God does. And so when you reach out to that individual, you're, what you're doing is you're being an extension of God's grace, God's mercy, God's love. 
There was a young man that I ministered to so many years ago in juvenile hall, and we were at the table there together, and he told me across the way, he says, you know, you don't understand my plight. You don't understand what I've had to go through. You don't, back in the day when they used to use the word grind, you don't understand the grind I got to go through every day. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, the reason I'm in here is because I'm selling drugs, but the reason I'm selling drugs is because my mother's a prostitute, and she leaves my sister and I home alone with no money, and th this is the only money we have for food. And I looked at him, I says, you know, believe it or not, I do understand a little bit about that. But more importantly, God understands, and God's got a better purpose. God doesn't want you out there grinding. He's not, that's not what he has you about. This isn't what you have as a young man. God has so much more. And so as you and I go out to the highways and the byways and we compel them to come in, now they may not hear the message the first time, may not, they may not hear it the second time, they might not even hear it the third time, but one day that message is going to take root and they're going to know where to go. They're going to say, I know there's a pastor on uh, 354 B Street. I know that there's a church that loves me that I can go to and I can find the help that I need. So how do we do that? Well, I want to give you four things, and you won't have a PowerPoint because I apologize. That was my mistake. I didn't send it over to your team. They did such a great job, so I apologize. So you got to go old school with me today. You got to break out a pen and a paper, or for those of you that are, you know, you do your thumb text thing really fast, you can just text it into your little phone. But I want to give you four points today of how we love our city. Now, I love the Bay Area. There have been a couple times when I've wanted to leave, believe it or not, my wife and I, when we were married early on, we've been married 29 years. Um, and so, yeah, we're looking forward to our 30th by God's grace. And there were some times when I wanted to move out of the Bay Area. My wife just looked at me like I was crazy because she came from the Philippines. She likes it here. <laughs> but this has been my home since 1965. This has been it. Nowhere else. I've only known the Bay Area. And I'm grateful that God has brought me here. But I want to give you four points this morning of how we transform our, our, our Bay Area, how we transform our community, and how God uses us to love our cities. Number one, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And I'm going to go through the scriptures very quickly. So if I go too fast, maybe you're recording this. You can go back and put it on slow so you can follow along. But otherwise, you just have to, to come along with us. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, say every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, listen to this now, however, I consider my life worth nothing. My life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has, Jesus has given me. And that task is of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Number one to loving our city. We can only love our city through God's Holy Spirit. Can only love the, the city. Can only love the people. Because you know why? There are some unlovable people. Come on now. Let's be real. There are some people that, you know, we, we had a guy many, many years back when we were in Castro Valley. We're now in Hayward. And uh, he came in and he told our staff, he says, I'm ready. He says, I'm ready, I'm ready. Because he had been living on the streets for 15 years. He was full of urine, vomit, hadn't bathed in who knows how long, breath, just alcohol. 
And we took him into a, a, a ministry program that we, you know, a, a, a teen challenge we took him into at that time. And, and a month later, he got out, and he, and, and, uh, not got out, but he, he, uh, we visited him, and I didn't even recognize him. And he said, hey, Dubion, Dubion. And I'm looking, I go, hey, how you doing? I didn't know who it was. He said, it's me, Bradford, me, look. And I go, Bradford? I go, man, I don't even recognize you. He goes, I know, I'm doing really good. And, and the short story of it is, is several years later, he became a director in that ministry, and they moved him on, and he's still serving the Lord today. And God changed his life. And so some people, you know, sometimes it's hard to love people. Because it's not, and, and some people are just honorary. Some people are just mean. You try to do something nice for them, they go, what you want? Why you do that? What you want? You trying to get what you trying to get now? You trying to get something? Man, I'm just trying to help you. They got an attitude and you know, they get up in your face and everything. You're like, man, forget, I don't even want to help you now. I know nothing. Victory outreach that never happens, never happens here. It only happens at New Life. I know it never happens here. The second way that we love our city is found in the same book of Acts, chapter 17 and verse 24. And it says, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself give, gives all men life and breath and everything else. Now from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set forth for them and the exact place where they should live. And God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. The second way that we love our city is we have to let God use us where he has placed us. We have to let God use us where he has placed us. And some of us don't like where he's placed us. I, I'm tired of being here. I've been here my whole life. I want to move somewhere else. I'm moving to Oakland. I can say that I grew up in Oakland. <laughs> but God wants to use you right here where you are. And community is about wherever God puts you. And God determined before time even began, he determined that this was the spot that victory outreach is supposed to be. He determined this very aisle, this very place, this very pastor, this very people, this very street, this very city for you and I to be a part of. He placed you here. So if God placed you here, let him use you here. This is the place where God has places and he determined that. The third way that we love our city is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. We read this passage from the Apostle Paul. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. And to those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. The third way that we love our city is we have to look for ways that reach our community. Now, I want to tell you that not every way is going to reach every person. 
Now, Victory Outreach is, is globally known as a church that ministers to those that have been in prison. Nothing shameful about that. Known to vid, uh, minister to those that have had drug addictions. But Victory Outreach is more than just that. And, and I want to say something about, about your, your pastor here, and that is he is a man of vision. He is not locked into doing things just one way. He has a vision to be able to reach every heart, every person, every soul. So there may be some things, and I'll say this to you, there may be some things that he might want to do, and you might go, well, we never done that way in Victory Outreach before. No, Pastor Esteban, you sure you heard from the Lord? I'm not. He's heard from the Lord. And God has a different way of reaching different people. And so some of that, you know, it, it, through one of the ways that we reach our communities, we have the chapel every Thursday. We have a, we have a pantry that has touched hundreds and hundreds of lives and, and different individuals, and we're blessed to have that. And I, and I give an open invitation to, to Victory Outreach. If any of you ever want to come, if you want to help, if you want to preach, if you want to sing, if you want to testify, you have an open door on Thursday nights between 5 and 6 to come over and let God use you in your giftings. Amen. But God has different ways of reaching different people. You can't be locked into just one way. In fact, in, tonight, uh, and I had permission from Pastor Sevan, Castro Valley is having a, a, an outreach at the high school, and they're inviting all the churches in the Bay Area to come out. And all it is is we're just lifting up the name of Jesus. That's it. We are all going there tonight at 7 o'clock. We're going we're gonna to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to proclaim his name. Because let me tell you something. When you lift up the name of Jesus, we're not about lifting up churches. We're not about lifting up people. We're not about lifting up individuals. But when you and I lift up the name of Jesus, then God begins to move in such a powerful way. So I want to extend that invitation. I know it's a little bit short notice but I want to extend that invitation to you. So you have to look for ways that are going to reach your city. God might, listen, in this house, God might have birthed a vision in you. You might not even have shared it with Pastor Esteban Echela yet, to, that God wants you to share with him. You know, Pastor, I think we can reach young people this way, or I think we can reach our, our elderly community. Let me share something with you that happened a few years back. Uh, a few years back, there was a, 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 um, there was a school that was in need. And I, I don't recall the exact need, but they were looking around for, for a big building. And our buildings are pretty good, not quite as big as this, but we have a good-sized building that we try to make available. And so they called us up and they asked us, uh, they, they were having some construction work done at their school. Now, this was a school for special needs. And so they asked us, they said, we've been calling around and we can't find anybody that can help us. And we, we just need a building for two days. We'll pay for it. We'll give you guys money for it. Is there any way you could help us? And and I didn't even have to pray about it. I said, well, you, you can have our building for free. You don't have to pay for it. And she looked on you. She says, for free? Another, I said, yeah, you can. She goes, now, you know these are special needs adults. Okay. I'm special needs. <laughs> I have special needs, too. <laughs> she said, no, no, I don't think you understand. These are, these are you know, sometimes they'll, they'll just scream for nothing. And they'll, I said, that's fine. Let them scream. It's okay. We got people that scream in our church all the time. It's all right. We're used to it. So long story short, she brought, I don't know, it was probably about 30 of them or so, and they all, each one had a, a personal aid to them, and they were attending to them. And, and I remember coming out there, and, and uh, at the end, the director came out to me, and she says, you know, Pastor, she goes, we just wanted to tell you how much we appreciate what you did for us. And I said, hey, it's, it's not my building. It belongs to God. We're honored to be able to serve. And she said, we all made something special for you, and I still have it. They, they all made a special thank you card for me. 
and they all signed it and put their names on it, and it just, it touched my heart. And you never know the ministry that God has for Victory Outreach, so don't be locked into just one way. Let God use you and birth you and multiply this facility to a hundred times over to do great and mighty things. The last point that I want to share with you this afternoon is found in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 30. Are you all getting this this afternoon? If you are, say amen. All right, and if you're asleep, say amen. <laughs> yeah, just testing you there. Just, just checking to see if you're with me. This is, this is drinkable water, right? <laughs> it's, not just, it's not like when they do on the Warriors, they just put the bottle of Gatorade there for looks. This, I can drink this, right? Okay. It's living water, holy anointed water. <laughs> Luke chapter 10, verse 30. So you all know this story. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on his oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the manager. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The fourth way that we love our city is we have to begin by loving our neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and, says, and say to them, I love you. Yeah, we have to love our neighbors. Loving your city begins by loving your neighbor. Let me ask you, how many, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you know your real neighbors? They did a study. You, well, you can raise your hand. Go ahead. You can raise your hand. <laughs> All right. We got one. We got two. I got three. <laughs> they did a survey, and they found, I've, I've, I don't remember the exact statistic, but it was very high that about 70 or 75% of Americans don't even know their next-door neighbor. Now, my wife and I have been in our neighborhood for almost 20 years, and, and we know all of our neighbors, the good ones and the bad ones. <laughs> and they know us. And we go out of our way that whenever there's somebody new in our neighborhood, we always try to go up and we, we knock on their door. And, we, and I don't tell them I'm a pastor. We just welcome them to the community. We tell them, thank you for being here. We just want to introduce ourselves to you, and we want to welcome you in the community in the neighborhood. For Christmas, we give out Christmas cards, and we give out a gift every year. Nothing fancy, you know, just some cookies or candy, and we hand it out every year to those that are in the neighborhood. And there was one year we were trying to get to know our new neighbor across the street. We knocked on the door, and they knocked again, and we knocked again, and then behind the door we heard, who is it? We said, hi, it's your neighbor across the street. What do you want? Uh, we would just like to welcome you to the neighborhood. And then they cracked the door with the chain on it. They wouldn't open it all the way. And we said, we have a little gift for you, and I'm not kidding you. They stuck their hand out, took the gift, and shut the door. <laughs> that was it. That was the end of it. <laughs> Those neighbors moved on. We didn't see them anymore after that. But you and I need to get to know our neighbors. And I want to give you three ways that we and I get to know our neighbors. Number one is to love your neighbor, you have to have compassion. Listen to what the Samaritan did. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. That's compassion. 
He saw that there was a need there. He didn't try to go the other way. He didn't walk and go, oh, somebody else will take care of that. That's somebody else's business. That ain't mine. I ain't going to handle it. He said, there's a need there I need to fulfill. I love what Dr. King said. He shared this same same text of scripture. And he said that the Levite and the priest looked at the man and he said, what will happen to us if we get involved with him? But he said the Samaritan looked at the man and he said, what will happen to him if I don't get involved with him? See, that's the heart of the church. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you as a, as a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. And the heart of the church is one that we desire to gather around his people and to embrace them and bring them in. So it begins with compassion. Listen, if you don't have compassion for people, you're not going to reach out to them because you're not going to care. Isn't that true? You have to have a heart. The second way that we reach out and we love people is we have to be able to take action. He he says here in that same verse, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn and took care of him. And then he went even above and beyond that. He gave money to the innkeeper. So why did he do that? Well, the reason that he did that is he was a man of action. He didn't say, well, you go take care of that or somebody. He said, no, I'm going to do this. And if we're going to be a church, now listen now, if we're going to be a church that's going to be effective, and I'm talking about the church in general, not just Victory Outreach, we have to be a church of action. I loved marching with you guys yesterday. Man, it was so awesome. And I love the song that that you guys sing. I, I don't know if you guys have that on CD or not, but that is an awesome song. Uh, my city, my, is that an original? Who who put that out? Who did that? Okay, do you guys got that on a CD or something? Like we could play it at our church. My city, you gotta you gotta get that to me. That is a that is a bumping bad bleep song. <laughs> I, I edited that for you. <laughs> Pastoral editing. <laughs> You have to take action. And I loved, and I was telling our church about it. I was so excited. I said, man, it was old school. I said, they had the truck running down there with the speakers on. People were telling people, I used to be this, and God saved me, and Jesus changed my life, and he restored my marriage. And I was just like, something inside of me was just excited. And then I saw Pastor Sivan. He's guiding everybody along, and he's leading them. I said, Jesus, you're lifted up in this place. A church that takes action. And And I told the church, I said, and you know what was so cool? Pastor Esteban didn't even get any permits. (laughs) I said, but it's all good. He did it all legal. They stayed on the sidewalk. It was all good. Hey, let me say this. Next year, New Life wants to be a part of what you're doing here. And, and, And I'll prophesy this. I want to make sure that Pastor Esteban gets all the other churches from the Castro Valley area to be a part also. Amen. Because we are a church community. This isn't about a Hayward thing. This isn't a Castro Valley thing. This isn't an Oakland thing. This isn't a San Leandro thing. It's not a Union City thing. It's not a San Francisco thing. We're talking about God doing a God thing in the city and raising up people that would know him as Savior. So we got to be a church that takes action. Number three, we got to be willing to sacrifice. You see, the man, the Samaritan took the man and put him on his own donkey. That was his donkey. That was his, that was his ride. That was his money. That was everything. And he took care of him. He was willing to sacrifice. And we have to be willing to sacrifice personally for that. Let me, let me close out with this story. 
And some of you may know it. Some of you, I'm sure, remember 25 years ago to, to this year, there was a, a very unfortunate situation in L.A. And there was a videotape that was made of an African-American man that was being beat mercilessly by the LAPD. And it went, we would say today it went viral, but this was no, they didn't have video back then or internet, so it didn't go viral, but it did in a way. And the police officers were put on trial. I think it was four of them, if I remember correctly. And, and all of them were acquitted. And when they were acquitted, it was not good. And things just went crazy. There were people on top of the stores trying to protect their stores with shotguns. Uh, Reginald Denning, a, a, a driver for a truck, was lost in all the mayhem and couldn't find his way out. And they grabbed him out of the truck. Some of you may have remember the video from the chopper, and, the, and a group of young men took him and just began beating him, and they took a brick and smashed his head in with it, knocked him unconscious. And while that was happening, along the way on the other side of town, there was another man by the name of Castro who was also in the wrong place at the wrong time. He had just come from South America, and he was in the area, and, and a group of these young men that were just angry. I'm not faulting them. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm just saying they were angry at what had happened. And so they were just looking for people. And this man just happened to be there. And they grabbed him. And they beat him unconscious. And they kicked him in the head. And they began to spray paint his body. And they would have killed him eventually. But there was a pastor. There was a pastor. He was at home that evening. And he turned on the news. And he was having his dinner. And he looked on the screen. And he saw what was going on in his community. And he recognized the street. And he said, that's my street. That's my community. That's my, that's my home. That's right around the corner from me. And God spoke to him and he went in his closet and he put on his clergy. You all know what the clergy is, right? It's the collar that, uh, that Pastor Seven and I always wear every Sunday. <laughs> right, Pastor Seven? We wear it every Sunday. And he put on his clergy and he got his Bible and they have it on videotape. He went out there and he stood over the man and he began proclaiming the gospel. And he began just proclaiming the gospel. And one by one, those men began to disperse. And he stood over the man. And had he not been there, they would have killed him for sure. He spared that man's life because he cared about his community. One year later, Pastor Benny Newton died from leukemia. And, and, and the family of Castro paid tribute to him and started attending his church in LA. Now why is that so significant? Because when you care about your community, you will get involved. And I want to tell you that God wants us to be involved in our community, not just to love our city, not to just love, oh, I, I love Hayward, I love San Francisco, I love Oakland, but God wants us to agapeo, love unconditionally, even when our city, now listen now, this is the hard part, even when our city doesn't return that love. Because it's not always going to return the love. You have to know that. And we have to willing to still love our, we have to pray for our mayor, Barbara Holiday. We have to pray for our chief of police. We have to pray for our city officials. We have to pray for our first responders. We have to pray for our community. We have to pray for our pastors. And we have to pray for one another. Amen. What I appreciate so much is, is, is the heart of Pastor Esteban and Chela to just reach out to the community. They're not locked into just victory outreach. They're locked into the community of loving people. I want to close here and just say thank you for allowing my wife and I.